People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Offer Abnery took a slightly different route to real estate. He created a technology company, sold it, and then embarked on the path of easy life in real estate. Well, that's what he hoped to achieve, but quickly found himself trying to transform one of the biggest business innovation laggards by building intelligent software that allowed him to see development opportunity where others may not. And so RealWave came to be. Today, it focuses on using some of that artificial intelligence to help him and his investors grow the business, expand into new markets, and create a development company for a new type of affordable housing. Let's meet Offer and find out more. Offer, good afternoon. How's it going? Great, thank you. And you? Good afternoon. Yeah, doing well, doing well. Uh, getting ready for this sort of fall weather here in the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's getting a little breezy, a little, a little wintry. So uh, I'm enjoying it. So <laughs> most most people run away, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling that people feel like it's back to normal finally with something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, the, the summer was a little unpleasant uh, here. So anyway, Ofer, thank you so much for uh, you know, chatting with us. Where do we find you today? Where, where are you? I'm in my home office in Redmond, working from home, taking care of uh, projects and the teams that are all over Seattle and the east side. Perfect. So offer by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about, you know, Real Wave, how it started, what's your background and kind of how you got into this industry. Right. So Real Wave is a real estate startup. We are on one hand real estate developers. We buy land or tore down buildings and build townhomes and apartment buildings. But on the other hand, we're a software company. We have um, a special software, proprietary software that helps us find uh, properties that have the best chances of being developed and actually penciling out. And the background is both software and real estate. I graduated computer sciences a long time ago, and most of my career was in business intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, and a few years ago, 10 years ago, actually, when I decided to do something other than software and startups and wanted to be more of the investing side, I started going to real estate, buying, flipping. Back then, it was 2012. I think um, it was a great time for closures. Yes. <laughs> yes. To flip. Yeah. Plenty of inventory, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. Basically, you were, you know, Friday on the on the county court. Um, you had so many deals. It was. It felt like fishing in a fish farm. Yeah. You know I mean, 
just the, the fish are, you know, jumping to eat the bait and we had to just pick enough so we'll have for the week. And back then, I felt that most of the work was analyzing deals. The challenge was that we were getting the list of opportunities on Thursdays, the auction is on Friday. Yeah, and you had yeah. like two or three hours to analyze 200 deals. You didn't even see them or know where they are or have pictures. So how do you find the best ones? So the answer is easy. You just go as much as you can, as deep as you can, and find whatever you can in the time you have. But that seemed unreasonable to me coming from you know computer science. Yeah, software, about, sure. Yeah. Yeah, we're all about not repeating the same <laughs> right. again and again and again and automating. So the first version of the software basically uh, allowed us to easily collect a couple of dozens of uh, pieces of information on each one of the property that were publicly available but difficult to to obtain county records city diagrams for sewer right right recent sales so the software collected everything in a special proprietary database and just um, allowed us to filter out like 80 or 90 percent of the opportunities that were completely didn't make sense and allowed us to focus on you know 20 deals 20 deals two or three hour night you can handle right with the right team so it was a great time and you know we did uh, some great flips and made some nice money and a couple of years later with the auctions dwindling down and us getting more projects and wanting to grow we had to find another stream of opportunities yeah yeah so uh, version two of our software helps us not only analyze um, the flip potential but also understand city code. So we could buy a single-family house that had the zoning capability to contain another story or two more units sure. or something in the back. So the software spot us to um, the future development capability of the, of the property. Um, and we started doing a bigger project, started new construction, and uh, our big breakthrough was in 2016, Seattle started to discuss a possible upzone. Right. Which means changing in how zoning works and basically providing more density in certain areas. That's right. Yeah. The idea was that if you live close to a um, frequent transit station and you don't need a car, they may as well create more density over there and, and provide less parking. So we taught our software not only to look at current zoning, but also on future zoning. And of course, you know, future, nobody really knows what the future is going to hold. So, <laughs> But your software comes the closest to, you know, being able to predict it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, for example, if, if you're in the middle of Ballard and there is nobody disputing that this area should be up-zoned, then you have better chances of eventually being upzoned. Sure. But if it's Wellingford in one of the single families where they really don't like the idea, then you have a more pushback. Right, right. So we try to take into account the different risk level. Also, the city took it into account and provided multiple options. So we try to focus on the one that were on consensus, right? So the software works so well that it allowed us to purchase some properties that had amazing chance to get up zoned and they still made sense as rental family as is 
a group of the people that work with us, our investors and partners and, and colleagues. We bought uh, in the next couple of years about $30 million worth of property. Wow, okay. Um, we really put our money where our mouth was. And, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, you know, held to them. And 2019, uh, MHA, the, the, the upzone or the grand bargain was passed through the city council and was signed into law by uh, Jenny Durkin. And suddenly we had quite a few properties that once were just single families, but now can support mixed commercial or townhomes or multiple single families. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, quite interesting. Yeah, and just to backtrack a little bit for our, for our audience, so back in 2016, the city of Seattle was sort of deliberating and wanting to upzone a bunch of neighborhoods around the city, right? And what you're seeing is your software is able to kind of, you know, predict with some kind of accuracy if if this were to get rezoned, here's where the opportunity would be, right? And then following that time, the the you know rezone law actually came into play, right? And so all of a sudden, these parcels became actually more valuable because the law was passed by the by the, by the mayor essentially correct correct and by the way just an interesting anecdote i just got the um, tax assessment update for some of the properties for 2022 like we get every year in the mail and many of these properties had their uh, tax assessment changed dramatically <laughs> yes <laughs> but not not in the way you think like yeah you would expect 10 or 20 percent going up right you know, everybody right. got that the interesting thing is how so for most of those upzone properties the value of the improvement of the property came down from whatever it was to a thousand dollars and the value of the land came to 20 or 30 percent more than the total value of the land and improvement so these properties are like now if we bought them for uh, six hundred, now they're just one point two million dollar land value and a thousand dollar structure. Very interesting. Maybe the assumption is that they will be you know torn down eventually, right? Yeah. And yeah, and yeah. redeveloped. So this software that you guys came up with, this is a proprietary piece of software, right? I mean, this is not something that you guys sell. This is used essentially for you to help raise funds and identify areas of opportunity, correct? Correct. That's our competitive advantage of obtaining the right deals ahead of the market. And um, we don't sell it as a service. You can just subscribe to it. But our clients and partners, our brokerage clients get full access and the people that work with us get the first, uh, the, the middle seat in the first row to yeah. the properties that come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sort of version one of this was your your initial iteration kind of pre up zone version two and three have now moved you further into kind of what you know reality is today essentially right how you know how more precise is it today than when you first created this piece of software exponentially more i think the the further we go down the line understanding what the potential of a property is the more challenging it gets i'll give you an example if in the second version where we just you know, interpreted city code, new zoning and zoning is LR2. It means you can do, you know, up to six townhomes and, and this and that, but assuming you demolish. But with the new 
with the new zoning codes, especially the 2019 ADU-DADU, the, the code says, for example, if you have a single family and the house is in the front and you have enough space in your backyard, you can build um, DADU, a detached accessory dwelling. Unit. Yep, yep. So how do you know if it will fit in there, right? So usually you would, you know, take a, a survey and go to an architect and try to see if the DADU with the required setbacks and the uh, and the uh, specific uh, ECAs that you have, I mean, if you have some steep slope or something, that will actually fit in and you'll have to run a feasibility study for each one of them. Yeah. So we taught the software to read the parcels, their shapes and the existing buildings and to simulate the work that an architect does when they figure out if something will fit in. They actually try, you know, different locations and, you know, see if it works with all of the um, requirements and and restrictions. And then the software can try a million different options in one second, and it will tell you, hey, this house has great backyard because we could fit in three different types of DAUs, the 1,000-square-foot one, the 800-square-foot one, and even a 1,200-square-foot one if someday they will approve that. Yeah, interesting. Have you also worked with some accessory dwelling units developers? I know there has been a couple of companies that have popped up you know, recently helping homeowners essentially with either kind of, you know, prefabricated stuff. Is that part of the, you know, analysis also, or, or at this point, it's just giving sort of the user the understanding that this is possible. So what we do is we use in our automatic feasibility study, we use the footprint of those prefabricated DADUs. Okay. Okay. So it, it's not ours. You can go and buy them online. And also the city of Seattle um, has a, ADU University, where they show you what kind of DADUs will be quickly approved, like they're pre-approved. So okay, you can okay, go yep. there, pick one, you buy the plans for like $1,000, and in, in a month you have an approval. So we put these so people can know that they can easily obtain those and just build them either now or sometime in the right. future. Right, right, right. So, Offer, I think it's fair to say that at some point, because you you were initially operating just in King County, which is where you know Seattle and Bellevue are, right? But at some point, do you run out of space? And you know, how do you grow into other markets? Tell us about that voyage and kind of how you've expanded geographically, also. So, what we do is uh, kind of um, difficult to expand. It's not easy because different cities have different zoning codes, different neighborhoods, different states have different regulations. And even in King County and Snohomish and Pierce, where we, this is our native market, it took us a long time to teach the software how to work in each one of those jurisdictions. There are dozens of them. So when you go to a new market and you want to really nail it, our knowledge, software knowledge derived from that, have to provide enough competitive advantage over what others know so it took us a while to to speak the fluently the local language <laughs> right <laughs> and the, the next step for us was going to um, another location and checking out if we can use the software and our knowledge and our network of builders and architects to provide value to other markets and we identified atlanta georgia as uh, one of these. Okay. There were many, many candidates for many different reasons. But what we liked about Atlanta is that it's an emerging market and 
it felt like they're 20 years behind Seattle in real estate costs and regulation. It was very naive. You know, I was going there to see um, some local projects and it was really inspiring. And to be honest, gave me a heartburn to see how easy the permitting process is. <laughs> compared, compared, to, to <laughs> compared to Seattle. Yeah. yeah, with our map and, you know, um, different permits, it can take us sure. you know, two, three years sometimes sure. to get entitlements for decent size project, not going to be one. And these guys just, you know, three to six months, they do everything they want. And so we started a pilot six months ago basically teaching the software, loading into it the local jurisdiction and counties and cities and zoning codes and connecting to the local MLS offices to get yep. the data feeds, which is, you, you know, different licenses required by, by state or region. And we launched it just um, just last week. I went there to uh, celebrate the launch and uh, what a better way to celebrate the launch than to make an offer on a property that we find. Okay. <laughs> Did you? So was that yeah. the way you celebrated? Excellent. Was was the offer accepted? And when does it close? <laughs> yeah, actually, we got a counter offer an hour ago. And it looks like we're going to win it if we just agree to some terms. That Excellent. Yeah. Decent. Yeah. So we're closing 30 days. It's a small acquisition, just, you know, a, a single family. But we wanted to... Uh, see that we can identify, analyze, and, you know, make acquisition in a couple of days, and we did. So we're looking forward into getting into this market, yep. and I think that for a lot of our partners and, and investors, they want to hedge their investment into different markets. Seattle is a great market and appreciates well, but uh, the rents are kind of at their at their peak and uh, it makes yeah it's uh, getting frothy right right yeah so we really have to be creative to get good positive cash flow in seattle from day one and it's easier over there right right so at some point you know i know now you're focused on kind of making sure that that market does really well and i'm and i'm sure you you will do that but then do you see the Seattle market and the sort of greater Puget, you know, Puget Sound area more of a sort of kind of mature, stable market and your growth then really comes from accessing some of these other places like Atlanta or that have the similar kind of characteristics. Is that where the next sort of uh, phase of your growth is? I think our main main target, main goal focus is Seattle and the area. We were just starting. So, you know, we go to properties up zone in 2019 and they went through the entitlement processes and they're starting to mature and start to go into construction so we have you know 15 projects going into construction in different wow, stages okay. and we will launch in the next year or two our z brand for high quality uh, rentals both single family duplexes and apartments in seattle we're going to be there for the long term we believe in seattle we believe in Amazon, in Google, in Microsoft, in all the new employers and all the new people that come in to enjoy this amazing area. And um, we're here for good. And I think that what we're looking in the other states is for alternative business models, which allow for easier, you know, burr or day one cash flow, which this area does not easily allow. Yeah. Yeah. But long term investments, I think there aren't other many other places that I would put my money, you know, compared to Seattle. Yeah. We love it. 
What's interesting, and let's sort of take a step back because you you just mentioned this, you know, Z, Z brand of you know rentals that that you guys are also launching. So you're transforming also as a business. It sounds like just not just from an opportunity to build and scale something and you know grow it based on you know some new you know regulation or newfound opportunity for a certain plot of land, but it sounds like you're actually going to now maintain kind of a long-term position on some of these developments too. Tell us about sort of that. And I mean, that, that's a very different business then also, but what, what, what made you think about doing that? Well, at some point I figured out that in retrospect, I regretted every property I sold. <laughs> <laughs> Let me also remind you that you're a software guy that, you know, made your money in software and decided to go into an industry that actually, what, makes better money than software, <laughs> which is real estate? Is that is this a lesson that we're learning from your experience also here? Yeah, it's a, a different way to make money. And, you know, I, I can't say this like software because this is what I did for you know, sure, most of sure, my life sure. and I love it. but. But software, you know, if you're employed W2 at some company and you get your salary, you can make some good money, of course. But if you're an entrepreneur and you invest in startup, then your chances of uh, hitting it are not very high. Right. Not to be right. pessimistic or anything, but, you know, it's a startup. It either sure. works or it doesn't. But with real estate, your chances of losing all your money are not as big. Right. You have to be really... <laughs> Stupid, right? <laughs> to lose all your money, like what did have? What what did? It, where did the property go? Right? right, right, right. So I think I like the ability to, um, you know, to leverage and to transform uh, design into creation. Not unlike the software world, but I think I just thought it had more opportunity than than software, and it also was a little bit more suitable to my work life balance requirement. Right. right. So, you know, going back to I regret every property I sold, I, I really felt that and I was looking for a way for us to hold the properties for a longer time because their value appreciates and you can enjoy some other tax benefit like depreciation. And we were looking for a way to create an impact. And with all of the properties we got in the app zone, we thought, how can we transform this all this new created equity that we have spread across all these properties and do something with it. Wanting to create a long-term uh, wealth and equity building endeavor. So we decided to sell some of the properties, cash out, get some of our money back, get yep. some yep. equity and reinvest it in a way that will create a few great buildings that we can hold. And what we thought was to create um, a new type of, of product. We thought that Seattle is sorely missing single family and big unit uh, rentals. Like if you're looking for far four, five, six bedroom home, good luck with that. Yeah, They're just, right. You know, a couple. So we do quite a lot of this. Uh, this is called Z Family. It's our bigger unit uh, projects, and we also uh, have the apartments, which is basically um, a new type of apartments that are smarter, greener, and like the name suggests, Z. Um, it's aimed for the Z generation. Sure. Yeah. These guys look at the internet as a basic utility, more important than <laughs> right. water and right. sewer, right? You can go drink water in Starbucks, but if you don't have Wi-Fi, then everything is lost. <laughs> so 
the Z brand will be Z apartment and Z family. And um, we're going to launch the first uh, project later this year in uh, next to Yesler, okay. Central yep. District. Yep. It'll be the first Z family with four big, uh, big units. What we want to do is to create presence and provide great products for the locals that are currently finding it difficult to find affordable housing. We do as much affordable as we possibly can. So in some of our buildings, we're subscribed both to MHA affordable, so we provide 10% affordable units, and to MFT, which is the King County's uh, program for Yep. So like 35% of the units are affordable, great prices, central and market street in Ballard. We were lucky to be able to get these properties and we want to share with the city and provide a really good brand name that will you know be there for the next 100 years. Yeah. What's very interesting about that also, Ofer, is that you guys are seem to be going kind of the opposite way. I mean, I'm you know, when you talk to some of these, you know, developers, they seem to kind of move towards, you know, making the apartments smaller and micro units, you know, and this kind of stuff, which I can't imagine anybody wants to do that as as, as a long-term kind of thing. You clearly are talking about, you know, places with multiple, you know, rooms, not just like a like an efficiency sort of apartment, right? What gave you this sort of information that that you would rather go in this area? Was there something about your software? Was it just your understanding of the market? How did you come to this to this realization that this is what you would rather do? Going through the design process uh, of those buildings, um, you know, my background is computer sciences. I didn't, ha- I wasn't native to that. So in the first rounds, as a developer, your main goal is to maximize the floor area ratio and maximize the number of units and make them as small as possible because on the paper, you get this and that square footage to build. So we want to make sure you would use all of them. Right. On the paper, shows that the highest return per square foot is, you know, the smaller the unit gets. Sure. If you're aimed and your goal is to maximize, then this is what you get. Everything is the smallest as it can be and without thoughts to many other things. And when we were looking at products in the market, we saw that, you know, I was... Uh, going to some apartment buildings to to see you know how the units look and they basically look like a from the inside like a shipping container with a couple of cabinets hung on them yeah and it was very sad because the outside <laughs> yes. of the building was stunning it was you know the brick tiled and amazing lobby with you know concrete floor and nice w style lighting but then you go in and come on so i think that the product wasn't good enough. And I understand why developers do that because, you know, they want to be as cost-effective as possible and get the fastest return for their investors. And we believe that people will buy rent anything because there is a rental shortage in Seattle. So sure. if this is what you think, then this is what you create and design. But we want to design first a good product. And the good product is a product that you hold for a long time. You don't create it to sell after a couple of years to make the quickest buck. And I believe that with great product, first of all, you have b- better tenants and they're willing to pay more. And I think with time, the market will align to us and not the other way around. And if it doesn't, then we'll keep having a competitive advantage. We believe that people can appreciate a good space. And especially now with all the single families being demolished for apartment buildings, it will 
get us even you know better rentals so i'm optimistic about the numbers Right, right, right. Offer, if I can sort of switch gears here a little bit and talk a little bit about sort of, you know, the last kind of 18 months, you know, 20 months or so, as an entrepreneur, as, you know, somebody that's, you know, built a couple of businesses, you you know that, you know, times of challenge uh, can also be times of opportunity. Was there anything specific that you sort of did during the shutdown and during that period of time that kind of helped propel your company into areas that you didn't imagine or did it accelerate some thinking into you know reality that that now makes what the company is so i think it did it did change a lot in many different ways and some things we got accelerated uh, paths like in the I mean, z family we talked about the big units and i think you know, during corona a lot of people realized that they don't want to live in a small unit anymore yeah, it doesn't right. have to be small it could be an apartment right I want a backyard, I want a rooftop deck, I want some air. So I think that as soon as we figured that out, we gave push to our Z family projects, get more of them to vest and focused on our acquisition on more of these uh, properties that could support Z family project. And I think this was successful and um, it looks like these are going to be a hit. And another completely different uh, avenue brokerage business you know we have brokers that help us buy and sell right properties right. because we do it all the time and also with time we started to helping you know friends and family in the beginning and then came its own business apparently many people found out that buying with us will give them some additional knowledge and value for development uh, capacity of a property yeah you know yeah. how much money can make them and with everything that happened in the last 18 months the business just boomed and a lot of people were looking to sell what they have and buy something else you know get it you know bigger house with the backyard but now that everything is expensive a lot of people said hey you know what i'm willing to invest half a million dollar more and you know get what i want but at least i want it to be something that could be improved something that i could uh, have some added value on so we found ourselves um almost tripling our broker team. Wow, okay. Team, just to support buying and selling properties in the region. I think we're, we're going to close uh, the broker team of the year in I think maybe top 50 or 17 in all of Washington State in volume of deals that we've done. Okay. <laughs> so not, you know, top 10 yet, but... Sure, yeah. Know, hey, listen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not too shabby, right? <laughs> but, you know, it was significant and... And it made us think that this is also, um, you know, a viable business that we can work on and we can really provide some added value to our buyers and sellers, something that the average uh, real estate broker doesn't have the, you know, the knowledge of zoning and, you know, how much it would cost to build a DAU and how much quick quickly can you get the permit for the site sewer to get it connected in there. But right. we know that because right. that's what we do. So I think this is also going to be uh, something that we learned that we need to do on, on more scale. Yep. And last but not least, I think work for home actually improved some of our processes, uh, especially with working with the city. Since the beginning of the corona, they moved their operations to you know, online. So instead of going to the city for every meeting, we can just do it online. And for me, it's most of my time, you know, doing meetings was with the city and with the architects. Then suddenly it uh, 
it was uh, it was a good thing. Yeah. But to just to you know compensate for this, uh, <laughs> the Corona made construction much more challenging. Yes. More difficult to get people to come to work and you know do stuff. Materials got more expensive. And not available as well, right? And not available, yeah. yeah. And and the lead time for some of the equipment and the materials that we need sometimes extends into you know, a year. Wow. Okay. So you really need to be able to plan uh, your logistics. Otherwise, the projects take more time. So it made tight project management even more critical than before. Yeah. So based on everything you're saying off I mean, it sounds like your challenges might be not of starvation, but of indigestion, meaning you have like too much going on. Are you concerned sort of as a, as a, you know, business leader about, you know, all these different avenues or these, all these different plates that you're sort of meant, you know, trying to keep, you know, spinning, or do you feel this also gives you a sense of sort of where you should focus? Well, I think um, refocusing is if we had to do it like once a year before, I find myself doing it once a month now. Oh, wow. Okay. Everything that's going on. <laughs> I mean, I, we, we do not change our trajectory dramatically, sure, but sure. but we get so much leads, so much opportunity, um, so much going on that it's really difficult to sometimes say, no, don't want to take it in, don't want to take it on. But I find myself doing it more and more to keep track and keep focus on our current project. And right, right. also, I always say that your mental health has its price as well, right? So Absolutely. But I wanted to go into real estate for you know the work-life balance, I won't allow it to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, offer as you look into next year and next sort of you know couple of years. Obviously, you've just sounds like you made an offer on a your first project in a new market in Atlanta. What are you looking forward to? You know the most. I'm looking into launching Z. I want to see um, you know our vision come to life and. I want to see us uh, an active part of the community. Um, so this is something I'm really looking at. I have um, security cams at my construction sites, okay. like, you know, connected. <laughs> and every morning, you know, I'm just like, okay, are, is everybody there? How much did we do? And you know, really looking forward to see it uh, completed. And uh, also, I'm uh, looking forward to see our brand also expand into a new market. So I'll be really happy in, if in the next five years we get a footprint in um in one of the out-of-state markets as well yeah. yeah yeah great well offer thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us this was really really interesting and uh i wish you all the best with your new endeavors and stay safe thank you thank you for having me on thank you for listening to the real perspectives podcast Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.